Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Who Knows. My name's Chris, and I'm reading to you today. I am just getting some background music for myself. It's always nice to listen to, uh, you know, anything with no words while you read. If it's music, um, helps you get in the mood and stuff. But usually have it done before I start. But I just, just, just sitting down. Here we go. It's a good book. Hope you guys are staying for it. Hope you're enjoying it. Share if you think it if you think you need to. Uh, we are reading Illusions: The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. Uh, cool little book. It's he wrote this in. 1989, no, 1977. This book was published in 1989. But it's a good book so far. So we're just going to get right into it. Chapter 8. We finished the day in Hammond, Wisconsin, flying a few Monday passengers. Then we walked to town for dinner and started back. Don, I will grant you that this life can be interesting or dull or whatever we choose to make it. But even in my brilliant times, I have never been able to figure out why we're here in the first place. Tell me something about that. We passed the hardware store, closed, in the movie theater, open, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And instead of answering, he stopped, turned back on the sidewalk. You have money, don't you? Lots. What's the matter? Let's see the show, he said. You buy? I don't know, Don. You go ahead. I'll get back to the airplanes. Don't like to leave them alone for too long. What was suddenly so important about a motion picture? The planes are okay. Let's go to the show. It's already started. So we come in late. He was already buying his ticket. I followed him into the dark and we sat down near the back of the theater. There might have been 50 people around us in the gloom. I forgot why we came, after a while, and got caught up in the story, which I've always thought is a classic movie. Anyway, this would be my third time seeing Sundance. The time in the theater spiraled and stretched the way it does in a good film, and I watched a while, for technical reasons, how each scene was designed and fit to the next. Why this scene now and not later on? I tried to look at it that way, but got spun up in the story and forgot. About the part where Butch and Sundance are surrounded by the entire Bolivian army, almost at the end, Shimoda touched my shoulder. I leaned toward him, watching the movie, wishing he could have kept whatever he was going to say till after it was over. Richard? Yeah? Why are you here? It's a good movie, Don. Shh. Butch and Sundance, blood all over them, were talking about... Why they ought to go to Australia. Why is it good, he said. It's fun, shh, I'll tell you later. Snap out of it, wake up, it's all illusions. I was irked. Donald, there's just a few minutes more, and then we can talk all you want, but let me watch the movie, okay? He whispered intensely, dramatically, Richard, 
Why are you here? Look, I'm here because you asked me to come in here. I turned back and tried to watch the end. You didn't have to come. You could have said no thank you. I liked the movie. A man in front turned to look at me for a second. I like the movie, Don. Is there anything wrong with that? Nothing at all, he said, and he didn't say another word till it was over and we were walking again past the used tractor lot and out into the dark toward the field and the airplanes. It would be raining before long. I thought about his odd behavior in the theater. You do everything for a reason, Don. You do everything for a reason, Don? Sometimes. Why the movie? Why did you all of a sudden want to see Sundance? You asked a question. Yes, do you have an answer? That is my answer. We went to the movie because you asked a question. The movie was the answer to your question. He was laughing at me. I knew it. What was my question? There was a long pain silence. Your question, Richard, was that even in your brilliant times, you have never been able to figure out why we are here. I remembered, and the movie was my answer. Yes. Oh, you don't understand, he said. No. That was a good movie, he said, but the world's best movie is still an illusion, is it not? The pictures aren't even moving, they only appear to move. Changing light that seems to move across a flat screen set up in the dark? Well, yes, I was beginning to understand. The other people, any people, anywhere, who go to any movie show... Why are they there when it is only illusions? Well, it's entertainment, I said. Fun, that's right, one. Could be educational. Good, it is always that, learning, two. Fantasy escape. Fantasy or escape, that's fun, two, one. Technical reasons, to see how a film is made. Learning, two. Escape from boredom. Escape, you said that. Social, to be with friends, I said. Reason for going, but not for seeing the film. That's fun anyway. One. Whatever I came up with fit his two fingers. People see films for fun or for learning or for both together. And a movie is like a lifetime. Don, is that right? Yes. Then why would anybody choose a bad lifetime? A horror movie. They not only come to the horror movie for fun. They know it's going to be a horror movie when they walk in, he said. But why? Do you like horror films? No. Do you ever see them? No. But some people spend a lot of money and time to see horror or soap opera problems that to other people people are dull and boring. He left the question for me to answer. Yes. You don't have to see their films and they don't have to see yours. That is called freedom. But why would anyone want to be horrified or bored? Because they think they deserve it for horrifying someone else or they like the excitement for, of horrification or that boring is the way they think films have to be. Can you believe that lots of people, for reasons that are very sound to them, enjoy believing that they are helpless in their own films? No, you can't. No, I can't, I said. Until you understand that, you will wonder why some people are unhappy. They are unhappy because they have chosen to be unhappy. And Richard, that is all right. Hmm. We are game playing. Fun having creatures. We are the otters of the universe. <clears throat> Excuse me. We cannot die. We cannot hurt ourselves any more than illusions on the screen can be hurt. But we can believe we are hurt in whatever agonizing detail we want. We could believe we're victims, killed and killing, shuttered around by good luck and bad luck. Many lifetimes, I asked. How many movies have you seen? 
Oh, films about living on this planet, about living on other planets, anything that's got space and time is all movie and all illusion, he said. But for a while, we can learn a huge amount and have a lot of fun with our illusions, can we not? How far do you take this movie thing, Don? How far do you want? You saw the film tonight partly because I wanted to see it. Lots of people choose lifetimes because they enjoy doing things together. The actors in the film tonight have played together in other films. Before or after, depends on which film you've seen first. Or you can see them at the same time on different screens. We buy tickets to these films, paid admission by agreeing to believe in the reality of space and the reality of time. Neither one is true, but anyone who doesn't want to play that price, pay that price cannot appear on this planet or in any space-time system at all. Are there some people who don't have any lifetimes at all in space-time? Are there some people who never go to movies? I see. They get their learning in different ways. Right you are, he said, pleased with me. Space-time is a fairly primitive school, but a lot of people stay with the illusion even if it is boring and they don't want the lights turned on early. Who writes these movies, Don? Isn't it strange how much we know if only we ask ourselves instead of somebody else? Who writes these movies, Richard? We do, I said. Who acts? Us. Who's the cameraman? The projectionist? The theater manager? The ticket taker? The distributor? And who watches them all happen? Who is free to walk out in the middle any time? Change the plot whenever? Who is free to see the film over and over again? Let me guess, I said. Anyone who wants to. Is that enough freedom for you? He said. And is that why movies are so popular? That we instinctively know that they are parallel of our own timelines? Maybe so, maybe not. Doesn't matter much, does it? What's the projector? Mind, I said. No, imagination. It's our imagination, no matter what you say. What's the film, he asked. Got me. Whatever we give our consent to put into our imagination. Maybe so, Don. You can hold a reel of film in your hands, he said. And it's all finished and complete, beginning, middle, and end are all there, the same second, the same millionth of a second. The film exists beyond the time that it records, and if you know what the movie is, you know generally what's going to happen before you walk into the theater. There's going to be battles and excitement, winners and losers, romance, disaster. You know that's all going to be there. But in order to get caught up and swept away in it, in order to enjoy it to its most, you have to put it in a projector and let it go through the lens minute by minute. Any illusion requires space and time to be experienced. So you pay your nickel and you get your ticket and you settle down and forget what's going on outside the theater and the movie begins for you. And nobody's really hurt? That's just tomato sauce blood. No, it's blood all right, he said, but it might as well be tomato sauce for the effect it has on our real life. And reality? Reality is divinely indifferent, Richard. A mother doesn't care what part her child plays in his games. One day, bad, one day bad guy, next day good guy. The is doesn't even know about our illusions and games. It only it knows itself and us in its likeness, perfect and finished. I'm not sure I want to be perfect and finished. Talk about boredom. Look at the sky, he said, and it was such a quick subject change that I looked at the sky. There was some broken cirrus way up high, the first bit of moonlight shivering through the edges. 
pretty sky, I said. It is a perfect sky? Well, it's always a perfect sky, Don. Are you telling me that even though it's changing every second, the sky is always a perfect sky? Gee, I'm smart. Yes. And the sea is always a perfect sea, and it's always changing too, he said. If perfection and stagnation, the heaven is, then heaven is a swamp. If perfection is stagnation, then heaven is a swamp. And the is ain't hardly no swamp cookie. Isn't hardly no swamp cookie, I corrected absently. Perfect. And all the time changing. Yeah, I'll buy that. You bought it a long time ago if you insist on time. I turned to him as we walked. Doesn't it get boring for you, Don, staying on just this one dimension? Oh, am I staying on just this one dimension, he said. Are you? Why is that everything I say is wrong? Is everything you say wrong, he said. I think I'm in the wrong business. You think maybe real estate, he said. Real estate or insurance? There's a future in real estate if you want one. Okay, I'm sorry, I said. I don't want a future or a past. I'd just as soon become a nice old master of the world of illusion. Looks like maybe in another week. Well, Richard, I hope not that long. I looked at him carefully, but he wasn't smiling. Chapter 9 The days blurred one into another. We flew as always, but I had stopped counting summer by the names of towns or the money we earned from passengers. I began counting the summer by the things I learned, the talks we had when flying was done, and by the miracles that happened now and then along the way to the time I knew at last that they aren't miracles at all. From the book. Imagine the universe beautiful and just and perfect. The handbook said to me once, then be sure of one thing. The eyes has, has imagined it quite a bit better than you have. Imagine the universe beautiful and just and perfect. Then be sure of one thing. The eyes has imagined it quite a bit better than you have. The afternoon was quiet. Chapter 10. The afternoon was quiet. An occasional passenger now and then. Time between I practiced vaporizing clouds. I have been a flight instructor, and I know that students always make easy things hard. I do know better, yet there was I, a student, again, frowning fiercely at my cumulus targets. I needed more teaching for once than practice. Shimoda was stretched out under the fleet's wing, pretending to be asleep. I kicked him softly on the arm, and he opened his eyes. I can't do it, I said. Yes, you can, he said, and closed his eyes again. Dawn, I've tried. Just when I think something's happening, the cloud strikes back and goes poofing up bigger than I have ever, than ever. He sighed and sat up. Pick me a cloud, an easy one, please. I chose the biggest, meanest cloud in the sky. 3,000 feet tall, bursting up white smoke from hell. The one over the silo yonder, I said. The one that's going black now. He looked at me in silence. Why is it you hate me? It's because I like you, Don, that I ask these things, I smiled. You need challenge. If you'd rather, I could pick something smaller. He sighed again and turned back to the sky. I'll try. Now which one? I looked, and the cloud, the monster with its million tons of rain, was gone. Just an ungainly blue sky hole where it had been. Yike, I said quietly. 
A job worth doing, he quoted. No much as I would like to accept the praise which you heap upon me, I must in all honesty tell you this. It's easy. He pointed to a little puff of a cloud overhead. There, your turn. Ready? Go. I looked at the wisp of the thing, and it looked back at me. I thought it gone. I thought an empty space, place where it was, poured visions of heat rays up at it. I asked it to reappear somewhere else, and slowly, slowly, in one minute, in five, in seven, the cloud was at last gone. Other clouds got bigger. Mine went away. You're not very fast, are you? He said. That was my first time. I'm just beginning. Up against the impossible. Well, the improbable. And all you can think to say is I'm not very fast. That was brilliant, and you know it. Amazing, you were so attached to it, and still it disappeared for you. Attached? I was walking that cloud with everything I had. Fireballs, laser beams, vacuum cleaner, a block high. Negative attachments, Richard. If you really want to remove a cloud from your life, you do not make a big production out of it. You just relax and remove it from your thinking. That's all there is to it. A cloud does not know why it moves in such a direction and at such a speed, was what the handbook had to say. It feels an impulsion. This is the place to go now. But the sky knows the reasons and the patterns behind all clouds. And you will know, too, when you lift yourself high enough to see beyond horizons. Chapter 11 You were never given a wish without also being given the power to make it true. You may have to work for it, however. We had landed in a huge grazing place next to a three-acre horse pond away from towns, somewhere along the line between Illinois and Indiana. No passengers. It was our day off, I thought. Listen, he said. Don't listen. Just stay there quiet and watch. What you are going to see is not any miracle. Read your atomic physics book. A child can walk on water. He told me this as though he didn't notice the water was even there. He turned and walked out some yards from shore and on the surface of the horse pond, what it looked like was that the pond was a hot summer mirage over a lake of stone. He stood firm on the surface, not a wave or a ripple splashed into his fly over his flying boots. Here, he said, come do it. I saw it with my eyes. It was possible, obviously, because there he stood. So I walked out to join him. It felt like walking on clear blue linoleum, and I laughed. Donald, what are you doing to me? I am merely showing you what everybody learns sooner or later, he said, and you're handy now. But I'm, look, the water can be solid. He stamped his foot, and the sound was leather on rock. Or not, he stamped again, and water splashed over us both. Got the feel of that? Try it. How quickly we get used to miracles. In less than a minute, I began to think that walking on water is possible, is natural, is, well, so what? But if the water is solid now, how can we drink it? Same way we walk on it, Richard. It isn't solid and it isn't liquid. You and I decide what it is going to be for us. If you want water to be liquid, think it liquid. Act as if it's liquid. Drink it. If you want it to be air, act as if it's air. Breathe it. Try Maybe it's something about the presence of an advanced soul, I thought. Maybe these things are allowed to happen in certain radius, 50 feet in a circle around them. I knelt on the surface and dipped my hand into the pond, liquid. Then I lay down and put my face into the blue of it and breathed, trusting. It breathed like warm liquid oxygen, no choking or gasping. I sat up and looked a question at him, expecting him to know what was in my mind. 
Speak, he said. Why do I have to speak? For what you have to say, it's more precise to talk in words. Speak. If we can walk on water and breathe it and drink it, why can't we do the same to land? Yes, good, you will notice. He walked to the shore easily as walking a painted lake. But when his feet touched the ground, the sand and grass at the edge, he began to sink until it fell until, with a few slow steps, he was up to his shoulders in earth and grass. It was as though the pond had suddenly become an island, and the land about had turned to sea. He swam for a moment in the pasture, splashing about, splashing it about him in dark loam drops, then floated on top of it, then rose and walked on it. It was suddenly miraculous to see a man walking on the ground. I stood on the pond, and he applauded his performance. He bowed and applauded mine. Oh, I stood on the pond and applauded his performance. He bowed and applauded mine. I walked to the edge of the pond. I thought the earth to liquid and touched it with my toe. Ripples spread into the grass and rings. How deep is the ground? I nearly asked aloud. The ground will be as deep as I think it will be. Two feet deep? I thought it will be two feet deep and I'll wade. I stepped comf confidently into the shore and sank over my head in an instant drop off. It was black underground, scary, and I fought to the surface, holding my breath, feeling lean out for some solid water, for the edge of the pond had to hold on to. He sat on the grass and laughed. You are a remarkable student, do you know that? I ain't no student at all, get me out of here, get yourself out. I stopped struggling, I see it solid and I can climb right out, I see it solid and I climbed out, caked and crusted in black dirt. Man, you really get dirty doing this. His own blue shirt and jeans were without spot or moat of dust. Ah! I shook the dirt out of my hair, flipped it out of my ears. Finally, I put my wallet on the grass, walked into the liquid water, and cleaned myself the traditional wet way. I know there's a better way to get clean than this. There's a faster way, yes. Don't tell me. Of course. I just sit there and laugh and let me figure it all out for myself. Okay. I finally had to walk, squishing back to the fleet and change my clothes, hanging the wet stuff on the flying wires to dry. Richard, don't forget what you did today. It is easy to forget our times of knowing, to think they've been dreams or old miracles one time. Nothing good is a miracle. Nothing lovely is a dream. The world is, is a dream, you say, and it's lovely. Sometimes, sunset, clouds, sky. No, the image is a dream. The beauty is real. Can you see the difference? I nodded, almost understanding. Later, I sneaked to look in the handbook. The world is your exercise book, the pages on which you do your sums. It is not reality, although you can express reality there if you wish. You are also free to write nonsense or lies or to tear the pages. Chapter 12 The original sin is to limit the eyes. Don't. It was an easy, warm afternoon between rain showers, sidewalks wet on our way out of town. Sidewalks wet out of, on our way out of town. You can walk through walls, can't you, Don? No. When you say no to something, I know is yes. That means you don't like the way I said the question. We certainly are observant, aren't we? He said. Is the problem with walk or with walls? Yes and worse. Your question presumes that I exist in one limited place-time and move to another place-time. Today, I'm not in the mood to accept your presumptions about me. I frowned. 
He knew what I was asking. Why didn't he just answer me straight and let me get on to finding out how he does these things? That's my little way of helping you be precise in your thinking, he said mildly. Okay, you can make it appear that you can walk through walls if you want. Is that a better question? Yes, better. But if you want to be precise, don't tell me. I know how to say what I mean. Here's my question. How is it that you can move the illusion of a limited sense of identity expressed in this belief of a space-time continuum as your body through the illusion of a material restriction that is called a wall? Well done, he said. When you ask the question properly, it answers itself, doesn't it? When you ask the question properly, it answers itself, doesn't it? No, the question hasn't answered itself. How do you walk through walls? Richard, you had it nearly right and they blew it all to pieces. I cannot walk through walls. When you say that, you're assuming things I don't assume at all. And if I do assume them, the answer is I can't. But it's so hard to put everything so precisely, Don. Don't you know what I mean? So just because something is hard, you don't try to do it? Walking was hard at first, but you practiced it at it, and now you make it look easy. I sighed. Yeah, okay, forget the question. I'll forget it. My question is, can you? He looked at me as though he hadn't a care in the world. So you're saying that body is illusion and wall is illusion, but identity is real, and that can't be hemmed by illusions. I'm not saying that, you're saying that, but it's true. Naturally, he said, how do you do it? Richard, you don't do anything. You see it done already, and it is. Gee, that sounds easy. It's like walking. You wonder how it ever came for you to learn. Don, walking through walls, it isn't hard for me now. It is impossible. Do you think that maybe if you say impossible over and over again a thousand times that you suddenly hard things will come easy for you? I'm sorry, it is possible and I'll do it when it is right for me to do it. He walks on water, folks, and he is discouraged because he doesn't walk through walls. But that was easy, and this? Argue for your limitations and you get to keep them, he's saying. Did you a week ago swim in the earth? Did you not a week ago swim in the earth itself? I did that. And is not wall just vertical earth? Does it matter how much to you... Does it matter that much to you which direction the illusion runs? Horizontal illusions are conquerable, but vertical illusions aren't? I think you're getting through to me, Don. He looked at me and smiled. The time I get through to you is the time to leave you alone for a while. The last building in town was a feed, grain, feed and grain warehouse, a big place built of orange brick. It was almost as if he had decided to take a different way back to the airplanes, turning down some secret shortcut alley. The shortcut was through a brick wall. He turned abruptly to the right into the wall and he was gone. I think now that if I had turned at once with him, I could have gone through it too. But I just stopped on the sidewalk and looked at the place where he had been. When I put out my hand and touched the brick, it was solid brick. Someday, Donald, I said, someday. I walked along alone the long way back to the airplanes. Donald, I said when I got to the field. I have come to the conclusion that you just don't live in this world. He looked at me startled from the top of his wing, where he was learning to pour gas into the tank. Of course not. Can you tell me one person who does? What do you mean, can I tell you one person who does? Me. I live in this world. Excellent, he said, as though through independent study I had uncovered a hidden mystery. 
Remind me to buy you lunch today. I marvel at the way you never stop learning. I puzzled over that. He wasn't being sarcastic or ironic. He had meant just what he said. What do you mean? Of course I live in this world. Me and about four billion other people. It's you who... Oh God, Richard, you're serious. Cancel the lunch. No hamburger, no malt, no nothing at all. Here I had thought you had reached this major knowing. He broke off and looked down on me in angry pity. You sure of that? You live in the same world, do you? As a stockbroker, shall we say? Your life has just been all tumbled and changed, I presume, by the new SEC policy. Mandatory review of portfolios with shareholder investment loss more than 50%. You live in the same world as a tournament chess player, do you? With the New York Open going on this week, Petrosian and Fisher and Brown in Manhattan for a half million dollar purse. What are you doing in the hayfield in Maitland, Ohio? With your 1929 fleet biplane landed on a farm field with your major life priority major life priorities, farmers' permission, people who want 10-minute airplane rides, kinder aircraft engine maintenance, and mortal fear of hailstorms? How many people do you think live in your world? You say 4 billion people live in your world? Are you standing way down there on the ground and telling me that 4 billion people are, do not live in 4 billion separate worlds? Are you going to put that across on me? He panted from his fast talking. I could almost taste that hamburger with the cheese melting, I said. I'm sorry. I would have been so happy to buy, but ah, it's over. that's over and done now. Best forgotten. Though it was the last time I accused him of not living in this world, it took me a long time to understand the words where the handbook opened. <clears throat> sorry. If you will practice being fictional for a while, you will understand that fictional characters are sometimes more real than people with bodies and heartbeats. If you practice being fictional for a while, you will understand that fictional characters are sometimes more real than people with bodies and heartbeats. Chapter 13. Your conscience, your conscience is the measure of the honesty of your selfishness. Listen to it carefully. Your conscience, your conscience hard word for me right now, is the measure of the, your conscience is the measure of the honesty of your selfishness. Listen to it carefully. We are all free to do whatever we want to do, he said that night. Isn't that simple and clean and clear? Isn't that a great way to run a universe? Almost. You forgot a pretty important part, I said. Oh, we are all free to do what we want to do as long as we don't hurt somebody else, I chided. I know you meant that, but you ought to say what you mean. There was a sudden shambling sound in the dark, and I looked at him quickly. Did you hear that? Yeah, sounds like there's somebody. He got up, walked into the dark. He laughed suddenly, said a name I couldn't catch. It's okay, I heard him say. No, we'd be glad to have you. No need you standing around. Come on, you're welcome, really. The voice was heavily accented, not quite Russian, nor Czech, more Transylvanian. Thank you. I do not wish to impose myself upon your evening. The man he brought with him to the firelight was, well, he was unusual to find in a Midwest night. A small, lean, wolf-like fellow. 
small, lean, wolf-like fellow, frightening to the eye, dressed in evening clothes, a black cape lined in red satin. He was uncomfortable in the, in the light. I was passing by, he said. The field is a shortcut to my house. It is? Shimoda did not believe the man, knew he was lying, and at the same time did, did all he could to keep from laughing out loud. I hope to understand before long. Make yourself comfortable, I said. Can we help you at all? I really didn't feel that helpful, but he was so shrinking. I did want him to be at ease if he could. He looked on me with a desperate smile that turned me to ice. Yes, you can help me. I need this very much or I would not ask. May I drink your blood? Just some? Just some? Is It is my food. I need human blood. Maybe it was the accent. He didn't know English that well or I didn't understand his words, but I was on my feet quicker than I had been in many a month. Hay flying into the fire from my quickness. The man stepped back. I am generally harmless, but I am not a small person, and I could have looked threatening. He turned his head away. Sir, I am sorry. I am sorry. Please forgive me. For forget that I said anything about blood. But you see... What are you saying? I was the more fierce because I was scared. What in the hell are you saying, mister? I don't know what you are. Are you some kind of vam? Shimoda cut me off before I could say... The word, Richard, our guest was talking and you interrupted. Please go ahead, sir. My friend is a little hasty. Donald, I said, this guy, be quiet. That surprised me so much that I was quiet and looked sort of terrified. Looked a sort of terrified question at the man caught from his native darkness into our firelight. Please do understand, I did not choose to be born vampire. It is, un it is unfortunate. I do not have many friends, but I must have a, f a certain small amount of fresh blood every night or I rise in terrible pain longer than that without it, and I cannot live. Please, I will be deeply hurt. I will die. If you do not allow me to suck your blood, just a small amount, more than a pint, I do not need. He advanced a step toward me, licking his lips, thinking that Shimoda somehow controlled me and would make me submit. One more step and there will be blood, all right, mister. You touch me and you die. I wouldn't have killed him, but I did want to tie him up at least before we talked much more. He must have believed me, for he stopped inside. He turned to Shimoda. You have made your point? I think so. Thank you. The vampire looked up at me and smiled, completely at ease, enjoying himself hugely. An actor on stage when his show when the show is over. I won't drink your blood, Richard, he said in a perfect friendly English, no accent at all. As I watched, he faded as though he was turning out his own light. In five seconds he had disappeared. Shimoda sat down again by the fire. Am I ever glad you don't mean what you say? I was still trembling with adrenaline, ready for my fight with the monster. Don, I'm not sure I'm built for this. Maybe you'd better tell me what's going on. Like, for instance, what was that? Dot was a vampire from Transylvania. Transylvania, he said, in words thicker than the creature's own. Or to be more pre precise, Dot was a thought form of a vampire from Transylvania. Transylvania. If you ever want to make a point, you think somebody isn't listening, whip him up a little thought form and to demonstrate what you mean. Do you think I overdid him with the cape and the fangs and the accent like that? Was he too scary for you? The cape was first class, Don, but that was the most stereotyped outlandish. I wasn't scared at all. He sighed. Oh, well, but you got the point at least, and that's what matters. What point? Richard, 
In being so fierce toward my vampire, you were doing what you wanted to do, even though you thought it was going to hurt somebody else. He even told you he'd be hurt if. He was going to suck my blood. Which is what we do to anyone when we tell them we'll be hurt if they don't live our way. It was quiet for a long time, thinking about that. I had always believed that we are free to do as we please, only if we don't hurt another, and this didn't fit. There was something missing. The thing that puzzles you, he said, is an accepted saying that happens to be impossible. The phrase is, hurt somebody else. We choose ourselves to be hurt or not to be hurt, no matter what. Us who decides, nobody else. My vampire told you he'd be hurt if you didn't let him. That's his decision to be hurt. That's his choice. What you do about it is your decision, your choice. Give him blood, ignore him, tie him up, drive a stake of holy, of holly through his heart. If he doesn't want the holly stake, he's free to resist in whatever way he wants. It goes on and on. Choices, choices. When you look at it that way, listen, he said, it's important. We are all free to do whatever we want to do. I'm just going to keep going. Chapter 14. Every person, all the events of your life, are there because you have drawn them there. What you choose to do with them is up to you. Don't you get lonely, Don? It was at the cafe in Ryerson, Ohio, that it occurred to me to, math to ask him. I'm surprised you'd... Shh, I said, I haven't finished my question. Don't you ever just get, don't you ever get just a little lonely? What you think as, wait, all these people, we see them just a few minutes. Once in a while, there's a face in the crowd, some lovely star bright woman who makes me want to just stay and say hello. Just be still and not moving and talk for a while. But she flies with me 10 minutes or she doesn't and she's gone the next day and I'm off to Shelbyville and I never see her again. That's lonely. But I guess I can't find lasting friends when I'm unlasting, when I'm an unlasting one myself. He was quiet. Or can I? May I talk now? I think so, yes. The hamburgers in this place were wrapped half over in thin oiled paper. And when you unwrapped them, you got some sesame seeds everywhere and useless little things. But the hamburgers were good. He ate in silence for a time. And so did I, wondering what he would say. <laughs> well, Richard, we're magnets, aren't we? Not magnets, we're iron, wrapped in copper wire, and whatever we want to magnetize ourselves, we can. Pour our inner voltage through the wire, we can attract whatever we want to attract. A magnet is not anxious about how it works. It is itself, and by its nature, it draws some things and leaves others untouched. I ate a potato chip and frowned at him. You left out one thing. How do I do it? You don't do anything. Cosmic law, remember? Like attracts like. Just be who you are, calm and clear and bright. Automatically, as we shine who we are, asking ourselves every minute, is this what I really want to do? Doing it only when we answer yes. <clears throat> Automatically, that turns away those who have nothing to learn from who we are and attracts those who do and from whom we have to learn as well. 
But that takes a lot of faith. And meanwhile, you get pretty lonely. He looked at me strangely over his hamburger. Humbug on faith takes zero faith. What it takes is imagination. He swept the table between us clean, pushing salt and french fries out of the way, ketchup, forks, and knives, so that I wondered what was going to happen. What would be materialized before my very eyes? If you have imagination as a grain of sesame seed, he said, herding an example seed to the middle of the clearing, all things are possible to you. I looked at the sesame seed, and then at him. Wish you messiahs would get together and agree. I thought the thing was faith when the world goes against me. No, I wanted to correct that when I was working, but it was a long uphill fight. 2,000 years ago, 5,000, they didn't have a word for imagination, and faith was the best they could come up with for a pretty solemn bunch of followers. Also, they didn't have sesame seeds. I knew for a fact that they had sesame seeds, but I let this lie go past. I'm supposed to imagine this magnetizing. I imagine some lovely, wise, mystical lady appearing in a hayfield crowd in, in Tarragon, Illinois. I can do that. But that's all that is. It's just my imagination. He looked despairingly to heaven, represented for the moment by the tin plate ceiling and cold lights of M and Edna's cafe. Just your imagination? Of course it's your imagination. This world is your imagination. Have you forgotten? Where your thinking is, there is your experience. As a man thinks, so he is. That which I feared is come upon me. Think and grow rich. Create a visualization for fun and profit. How to find friends by being who you are. Your imagining doesn't change the eyes one wit doesn't affect reality at all. But we are talking about Warner Brothers worlds, MGM lifetimes, and every second of those are illusions and imaginations. All dreams with the symbols we waking dreamers conjure up for ourselves. He lined his fork and knife as though he was building a bridge from this place to mine. You wonder what your dreams say. Just as well, you look at the things of your walking life and ask what they stand for. You with airplanes in your life every time you turn around. Well, Don, yes. I wished he would slow down, not pile this on me all at once. Mile a minute is too fast for new ideas. If you dreamed about airplanes, what would that mean to you? Well, freedom. Airplane dreams are escape and flight and setting myself free. How clear do you want it? The dream awake is the same, your will to be free of all the things that tie you back. Routine, authority, boredom, gravity. What you haven't realized is that you're already free, and you always have been. If you had half the sesame seeds of this, you're already supreme lord of your magician's life. Only imagination. What are you saying? The waitress looked at him strangely from time to time, drying dishes, listening, puzzling over who this was. So you never get lonely, Don, I said. Unless I feel like it, I have friends on other dimensions that are around me from time to time. So do you. No, I mean this dimension, this imaginary world. Show me what you mean. Give me a little miracle of the magnet. I do want to learn this. You show me, he said. To bring anything into your life, imagine that it's already there. Like what, my lovely lady? Anything. Not your lady. Something small at first. I suppose I'm supposed to practice now? Yes. Okay, a blue feather. He looked at me blankly. Richard, a blue, feather, a blue feather? You said anything, not a lady, something little. He shrugged. 
fine, a blue feather. Imagine the feather. Visualize it. Every line and edge of it, the tip V splits where it's torn. Fluff around the quill just for a minute, then let it go. I closed my eyes for a minute and saw an image in my mind five inches long. Iridescent, iridescent blue to silver at the edges. A bright, clear feather floating there in the dark. Surround it in golden light if you want. That's a healing thing to help make it real, but it works in magnetizing too. I surrounded my feather in gold glow. Okay, that's it. You can open your eyes now. I opened my eyes. Where's my feather? If you had it clear in your thought, it is even this moment barreling down on you like a Mack truck. My feather, like a Mack truck? Figuratively, Richard. All that afternoon, I looked for the feather to appear, and it didn't. It was evening, dinner time over a hot turkey sandwich that I saw it. A picture and small print on the carton of milk. Packaged for Scott Dairies by Blue Feather Farms, Bryan, Ohio. Don, my feather! He looked and shrugged his shoulders. I thought you wanted the actual feather. Well, any feather for openers, don't you think? Did you see just the feather all alone, or were you holding the feather in your hand? All alone. That explains it. If you want to be with what you're magnetizing, you have to put yourself in the picture too. Sorry I didn't say that. A spooky, strange feeling. It worked. I had consciously magnetized my first thing. Today a feather, I said, tomorrow the world. Be careful, Richard, he said hauntingly, or you'll be sorry. I think we're going to stop there. I just really get into this book. I love it. So it looks like we have about four more chapters plus the epilogue left in this. Pretty good book, I think. I hope you guys are liking it. Um, I will get back to the last of them here pretty soon. Okay, bye.